Good morning, Cross Point. Good morning. Hope you guys are doing well. Children, you can be released for Children's Church, and we are continuing in our series through the book of Colossians. Now, we are nearing the end because next week is actually going to be our final sermon in this series as we've worked our way through the book. But I want to kind of take a step back and look at the book as a whole. So instead of reviewing the background, the context, which we've done for the past seven weeks, I want to take a step back and now say, let's look at the big picture. Let's look at the flow of the book so that my hope is that later on, when you pick up this text, you'll have a context and a framework for for what you're reading. The, The first is if we look at three big sections. The first is is chapter 1, verse 1, up through the end of chapter 2, is all about exalting Jesus. Now, now you'll see up on the screen, I've kind of drawn this diagram, as many of you know, like I like pictures, I much prefer (laughs) diagrams and pictures. And so I want you to imagine the reality of renewing our mind, the truth of who Jesus is and what it's calling us to is to hear and believe what it's saying about Jesus. Like, we need to look no further than verses 15 through 20 of chapter 1, that that who is this Christ, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that he is over all creation, because all things were created by him, they were created through him, they were created for him, that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is who Christ is in this truth of Jesus, of who he is, is intended to transform our thinking, to renew our minds and to lead our hearts in surrender towards Jesus. There's a personalization that happens, and that's what we see next that happens in the the flow of the, the book of Colossians, that we follow Jesus by faith, It is receiving this new life that not only who Christ is, but who we are now in Christ. If you remember those four statements, that not only did Christ die for our sins, but it says you died with Christ. This is something true of you. You have been raised with Christ. That your life is hidden with Christ in God, and you also will appear With him in glory. These are statements of truth that are being received and applied in our life that are leading towards transformation. It's not just about what we hear, it's not what we just know about God. It's also how we receive these truths in our life, and then the outward trajectory of living a new life. That we reflect now what we have received through our life, that it's only after knowing and receiving the fullness of Jesus' finished work can we hope to reflect his character in our life. This is when it says in 3.17, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Last week when we looked at this, it was reflected in our home and work. Right? It was reflected that what we've heard about God and, and what we have received is now being lived out in our relationships at home and at work. It's, it's in our relationship between husband and wife, between parent and children, between employer and employee. This week, it's going to focus on our speech. 
that what we know about God and have been renewed, what we have received, now should change the way we speak. In the way we speak to God and in the way we speak to others. And so it's this question before us this morning. How does receiving the transforming truth of Jesus change the way we pray and we speak to one another? How does the transforming truth of Jesus change the way that we speak to God and to others? That's what the verses today in chapter 4, verses 2 through 6 are going to say. And so if you will, stand with me as we pray in preparation for and then read God's Word. Lord, as we open your Word this morning, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, help us understand what you are saying to us this morning and how it needs to be internalized and lived out. Lord, let us not only be hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. Let us be moved and changed by your proclaimed word to live for your glory. And Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So beginning in verse 2 of chapter 4. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. This is God's Word. You may be seated. So let's begin with, with this first part of Jesus over speaking to God and, and how we pray. Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. But okay, so what is this that we're devoting ourselves to? Prayer is, is simply communicating with God. Sharing with God our, our adoration, our confession, our thanksgiving, how, our, our supplications. But it's more than, than just a conversation. At the heart of communicating with God is that central word, to commune with God. That feels different, doesn't it? The difference between communicating with God and to commune with God. There's an intimacy to that kind of communication. This deep connection that God is communicating with us in his presence and word. And we are communing with God in our longings and in our joy and in our satisfaction in him. To commune with God. It's more than just communication. And I want us to consider for a moment, when it's saying devote yourselves to prayer, devote yourselves to communing with God, who is it that we're communing with? Like, let's reflect, because this is the action, but let's reflect on who it is that's been declared, this supernatural, eternal, divine God who has created all things. The one who intimately holds time in his hand and yet is not contained by time. 
the one who, who through the power of his word spoke creation into being. The one for whom all things were created. Communing with the God who holds all creation together by his power. The one who Colossians says strengthens you with all power according to his glorious might. Communing with the one who has rescued you from darkness. To commune with the one who has reconciled you to himself through his own blood and physical sufferings. And the one who now presents you to God the Father, holy, blameless, and faultless. The one who walks with you today in whatever circumstances you are enduring. Devote yourselves to communing with him. It's not a hard ask. There's two ways in which this command is lived out. To devote yourselves to prayer. By this careful awareness of our minds in the grateful disposition of our hearts. We see this in the text. Devote yourselves to, to prayer. Stay alert. This careful awareness of our minds and with thanksgiving, this grateful disposition of our heart. Think of this, to stay alert. It's echoes of words spoken by Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember? The disciples on the night that Jesus was betrayed. Jesus says, can, can you pray with me? Can you stay awake? I'm grieved to the point of death, but full stomachs in a starry night were a lullaby that lulled them to sleep. Jesus came and he's like, can't you stay awake? Can't you just stay awake for, for one hour to stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation? But, but the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Those words ring true, don't they? Like in my spirit, the spirit's willing. Like to commune with God in all that, that, that he is. In all that he has done, my, my soul deeply longs to commune with God. To hear his voice, to, to be in his presence. Yeah, my spirit's willing, but my flesh is weak. My body's tired. And sometimes I fall asleep mid-prayer. My mind gets distracted. It wanders in the middle of praying. And then I'm like, wait, I was praying, wasn't I? Now I'm daydreaming about something. My heart wanders. Affections, focus. I feel the reality of Jesus' words. My spirit's willing. I do long to commune with God, but my body is weak. Stay awake. Stay alert, it says. God is near. God is near. You know, I've changed recently in how I pray for you guys. And I don't know when it happened. I just realized 
recently that had happened, that as I think of, of you all and the various situations represented in the church, I used to pray that, that God would be near. That like in, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of loss, in the midst of the difficulty, that God, would you draw near and would you comfort, would you be present? And then I realized that God's already promised that. He said, Lo, I will be with you always. There's nowhere that you can run, that you can escape the presence of God. That he is present. I don't need to ask God to be present in the midst of your joy or in the midst of your difficulty. But rather, how I've been praying is that God would help you to perceive and receive God's presence. God's near. But sometimes in our circumstances, sometimes in our pain, or sometimes even in our joys and when everything's going well, we're not quite alert or as aware as we should be that God is near, that he is present, that comfort is available to us. He's promised that. And so my prayers have been for you, for your heart to be able to perceive God's presence, to receive the reality of his grace. In the reality that God is at work. He's at work all the time around us. Look at verse 3 at the same time. Pray also for us. Now here's the amazing thing. Remember, Paul's in chains. Paul's in prison. And he's not going to be like, you know, like prison, not that much fun. Could you pray that I get out? Could you pray that I'm freed from prison? He doesn't ask for that. He's not praying for freedom. He says, at the same time, pray for us also that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, whether in prison or out in public, to speak the mystery of Christ. See, you put an evangelist in prison, you lock him in chains and throw him in a prison cell, and you would think that, that you have just locked up the gospel of Jesus Christ, but that's not the case. You cannot stop, you cannot contain the proclamation of the gospel going out. And Paul knows this. Paul has said this when he wrote to the church in Philippi. He says that his imprisonments, his sufferings have actually advanced the gospel. He said, through his testimony to the guards and the other prisoner, his situation instilled confidence in the Lord. His sufferings inspired others to proclaim fearlessly. Because he was locked up. One commentary said, not only was the gospel the cause of Paul's imprisonment, his imprisonment became the platform for the cause of the gospel. Did you catch that? See, the gospel was the cause. It was the reason why Paul's in prison. But while Paul is in prison... His imprisonment became the platform from which the gospel was proclaimed, where, where disciples were empowered and strengthened to speak without fear. And, and that's what Paul is praying for. He's like, pray for me. Pray that God would open the door for the gospel to go out so that I may make the gospel known as I should. This is the prayer. This is a man devoted to prayer who is so in tune with that God is present and God is working. So how do we apply this? How do we live this out? How do we devote ourselves to prayer? How do we be a body that then doesn't just hear this, but now we reflect this 
because the truth of it has transformed our lives. One way that I've used to help me think through this is by the acronym ACTS that you should see on the screen. It's A-C-T-S. And each of those letters stands for something. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And here's how it's helped me personally. So often when I come to God, I start with supplication. Hey God, hey again, I have some needs. Like, right? Like, could you use your help? What this helps me do is reframe that to begin with adoration. Who God is. It's reminding my heart. In, in, in praying this back to God, it's acknowledging who he is. It, it's adoration. It's saying, God, you are good. You are eternal. You are faithful. You are present. Things that maybe my heart has forgotten or disbelieved, but I know to be true. And I'm confessing this back to God because this is who you are. And it reorients my mind and my heart to him. And then confession, this acknowledgement that, that I've fallen short, sometimes willfully, sometimes accidentally, sometimes in action, sometimes in attitude, sometimes in just the longing of my own heart. Like I've fallen short. God, my heart's in need. I'm still becoming the man you have called me to be, but I'm not there yet. But I desire it and I want it. Adoration, confession, but see, confession does not reach its end until it leads to thanksgiving. This reality that I am not lost in the despair of my sin, but I have been forgiven. I am covered in the righteousness of Christ. Right? There is thanksgiving for how God has provided, for how God has worked. This is what the passage is even calling us to devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert. God is present. He is working and with thanksgiving. That we would have thankful hearts. That we would take time to remember how God has already been faithful. That we would not just bring new prayer requests, but we would come back and say, thank you for answering prayer. I brought this to you in my need and want and longing, and you met me in it. Maybe how I was expecting, maybe not how I was expecting. But you were faithful in this. And then supplication. The needs of our heart. The longings, the ones, the, 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 where we feel that real and present need of Christ. I find this helpful. Some days that's not like, I don't want you to ever think like this is just a strict, I have to go through one, two, three, four. Right? This is more of a framework that if you feel stuck, if you're like, I want to be more devoted to prayer, I want to be faithful in this, but how? How do I do this? Like, what am I supposed to be praying? I just want to offer this as a potential place to start to help guide your heart and mind in prayer. And then I want you to prayerfully consider three people in your life who are currently not walking with Jesus. This is looking at Paul's prayer and say, Lord, would you open the door for the gospel to be proclaimed? Would you open the door and the supplication, not just for my own needs, but those in my life who are not presently walking with God? And I want you to begin praying for them. We're going to be building on this idea both today and in the coming year. This is something 
you're going to be hearing about more and more that I want you to prayerfully consider three people that God puts on your heart. Who is it that you know, family members, co-workers, neighbors, who are not currently walking with Jesus? And to begin to intercede for them, to pray for them. Pray that, that God would open their eyes, the eyes of their heart, to see and enjoy the beauty of Christ in the gospel. Pray for, for the situation that God would open the door for you. To be able to proclaim as you should the mysteries of Christ. And that God would give you the, the boldness in the words to communicate the gospel to them. Who would be those three? Write them down. Put them in your Bible. Put it on your fridge. That, that you would remember to pray for them daily. Who are the three that you're praying for? Not only does the transformation of our heart speak to God, how we speak to God, but also in how we speak to others. Look as it continues in verse 5. To act wisely. That this transforming knowledge of God transforms then the way that we speak to others. To act wisely. See, knowledge is different than wisdom. Right? Knowledge is information that we have in our brain. I've learned something. I know something I didn't know before. I have this information, this expertise, but that's knowledge. It's not yet wisdom. This is information that comes into our brain. It cannot go from just knowledge to wisdom, which is the application of that knowledge, until it first passes through our hearts and causes transformation. This is discipleship. This is what it means to become disciples. It is the transforming as we receive the truth. As we are transformed by it, then we're able to reflect it. Then we're able to act wisely because that information has brought about transformation. So let me ask you this. Get personal for a moment. For the past seven weeks, we've studied together the supremacy of Christ over everything. All these beautiful, glorious truths of God. Information. How are you living differently today because of who God is? That's wisdom. Like, this is where last week, like, are you treating your spouse any different? Are you responding to your parents any different? Are you responding to your kids any different? Has it changed the way that you relate to God or relate to co-workers or friends? Or has it just been interesting information? There is a, a reality of what Paul is calling us to. In 317, that says, do everything in word and in action to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Are we being transformed? 
by the gospel? Or are we just learning more about God? The call is transformation. To act wisely. To let it change the way we live. Towards those who who are presently not following Jesus. Toward outsiders. Those currently not part of the family of God. That we are called to be present in a lost world. That that we gather here to have our minds renewed. To have our hearts transformed. So as we step out into the world into the lostness and in the hurts and the brokenness of the world that we would reflect the character of God that we have received. This is who we're called to be. And we see this call to make the most of your time. To make the most of your time. This time that's ever moving, it never slows, it never pauses. You can't stop it like you you do a movie. It's always marching forward. This unknown quantity that's remaining. Like if you take a a jug of water and and you know there's a finite amount in here. And and there's a drip slowly dripping and you realize at some point that last drip is going to fall out of the container and there's nothing left. I realize that with my own life. I have a finite number of heartbeats left in my chest. And then I'm going to breathe my last breath. And life on this earth will be no more. And I will stand in the presence of God. And I don't know when that breath is coming. I don't know what day will be the day that my heart beats for the last time. Nor do I know that those people that I love and that I'm praying for to walk with Jesus, I don't know when they're going to take their last breath. I don't know how much time is left. And it's possible even before I take that last breath, Christ is going to return and this present age is no more and eternity is ushered in. Make the most of your time. I pray that it instills in us a sense of urgency, that we can't just sit around, we can't just wait. We are called to be transformed by the gospel and to go and live and act wisely and graciously to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who have not heard. Make the most of your time because you don't know how much you have. Time is limited, but eternity is long, and God is gloriously worthy of the praise of all peoples. So let us act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of your time, and let our great let our speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt. Grace in our speech assumes grace in our heart. See, Jesus says in, in Matthew twelve thirty four, for the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. 
See, we can only now at the end of Colossians get to the point of, of how we speak in relationship to God and our prayers or in relationship to others because first we know in our minds who Christ is. We've received that in our hearts and been transformed by it. And now we can reflect it out of the overflow of the heart we speak. Out of the overflow of, of our heart, we reflect the character of God. We have received grace And so we reflect grace. We have received from God his presence, truth, and grace. Think of this. What we have received while we were rebelling against God. God took on human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, born to a virgin, born in a manger, which we were about to celebrate during Advent. He physically lived and walked this earth. He physically spoke and taught. He physically died on the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And he physically rose from the dead. And he will one day physically return to call us home. And Jesus, he spoke the truth. He never compromised. He didn't justify sin. He didn't condone it. He called sin for what it was, but he pointed to himself as greater than our sin, greater than our rebellion. And he says, follow me. And he offered grace by faith in Christ alone. We receive grace. Forgiveness instead of judgment. Peace instead of punishment. We receive life instead of death. This is what we have received. And when we receive it, and when that transforms our hearts, then we are able to speak graciously. Then we are able to be present with other people in their pain. And maybe it's the pain of their own doing. Maybe it's been their own rebellion. And you're like, but they brought this on themselves. So did we. And we are present in the pain. And we speak truth as a church. We do not compromise truth. We don't condone what God calls sin, but we point to Christ and we say He is greater. He is greater than our brokenness. He is greater than our sin. And following Him leads to our flourishing. And we proclaim the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what we proclaim as a church. This is how we speak graciously and seasoned with salt. So that you may know how you should answer each person. Here's what I love about this. How to answer each person. I want to be careful when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about sharing the gospel with someone, people are not a notch on a spiritual belt to show our evangelistic prowess. People are not a number They are not a target. Each individual has been created in the image of God whose life is intended to both enjoy and tell the glory of God. People have value because they are created in the image of God. Their story deserves to be heard 
เป็นโทษแต่ว่าพระเจ้าเป็นพร้อมที่จะมีทุกคนในเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่องของเรื่อง There is a transforming power of God's story that we have experienced and we proclaim. This is one of the reasons why last week I shared during our family update, and I want to mention it here. Something we're going to be going through next year called the story of God. This is going to be a multi-series journey through the entire Bible. To see Jesus in all of Scripture, this is part of something larger that I'm wanting to call the Emmaus Project. This is something that where this comes from, and the image I want to put in our minds now, that will lead us through the coming year. You see, in Luke 24, there were two disciples. Who were walking along the path, and this was the day after Jesus rose from the dead. And it says they're walking the, the road to Emmaus, right? And they're arguing. It says they're discussing and arguing with one another. I love this because it's not just you know how you say like with your spouse. We were discussing robustly. It's like no, we're discussing and we're arguing. What does all this mean? And they're not agreeing, and they're trying to figure it out. I don't know. And it says Jesus begins walking with them, but they don't recognize that it's Jesus. And they're arguing and they're discussing, and then it says Jesus in Luke 24, verse 27. Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted for them the things concerning Himself in all of Scripture. He showed how all of Scripture pointed to Christ, and we're going to take the same foundational and transformative journey with Jesus next year. The sense of let's walk with him on the road of life, and as we hear his words, as we're transformed by them, my prayer is then that we will be equipped to walk with others on the road. That we will be equipped for for how to help others see Jesus in all of Scripture. That we'll be equipped to like, okay, I'm praying for the three, but how do I share with them? What Now, this is where the application out of Colossians, and I pray, prepares our heart for what God has for us in the coming year. That God is present and working. So, who are the three that you're praying for today? In expectation that God is present in their life today, they haven't escaped it. It doesn't matter how far, how rebellious that that their life may seem at the moment. They have not escaped the presence of God, and that God is present and He is working. And there's this expectation that that is a reality, and there's an expectation that God, would you open their hearts to see the reality of what's happening? Would you help them to see what's true? Would you help them to see the beauty of the gospel in the face of Christ? Help them see that truth. <laughs> 
and that we're consistently, persistently devoting ourselves in prayer. And that we would be gracious in our actions and words, that we would care, that not just with our prayers and not just with our words, but in the demonstration of the gospel, would we come alongside and say, Lord, help me discover how I can serve them, how I can care for their tangible needs. How we as community groups and a broader community as a church can come along individuals who are are hurting and seeking and discussing and arguing on the road and, and help us see how we can care for them. And then, Lord, would you open the door for me to be able to proclaim the mysteries of Christ as I should. That, that, that you would commit in, in the coming year to, 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 to join with us, to participate fully for what it looks like to, to walk with Christ on this road to Emmaus, to hear how all Scripture points to Him, and so be equipped to walk with others to do the same. That we would trust that God is moving. He is calling people to himself. Let us be faithful in our prayer and in our witness. Let's pray.